Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, we're getting close to the trade deadline, about 24 hours away. What are the Lakers going to do? I'll tell you next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Lockdown Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts. It's always free and never behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where uh, over 23,000 subscribers are uh, all getting ready for the trade deadline Thursday afternoon uh, in, on, the, on the Pacific Coast. Uh, the, we will find out whether or not the Lakers have reformed themselves uh, in the in the manner, Andy, that they did last year, radical changes that propelled them to the Western Conference Finals, or if they kind of look more or less the same as they do today with some tweaks uh, and, and other stuff around it. Will D'Angelo Russell be a Laker? I don't know. We're going to talk about all this stuff. Do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. I will say this, Andy. Uh, as we record uh, on Tuesday evening for Wednesday's show. It's not a loud trade deadline. There's not a lot percolating out there. Uh, and the names that are bubbling around a little bit are not necessarily transformative in nature, I will say. That doesn't mean surprising things won't happen by Thursday. Well, I mean, look at some of the names that have already moved. Pascal Siakam, Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday. James Harden, OG Ananobi. Like there, there are a lot of the anticipated guys that were either on the block or may have been dissatisfied with their situation or impending free agency, all that stuff. Those guys have already moved. Yeah. And Zach Levine, no matter what you think of him, and you and I were pretty consistently on the record, no thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. the he is a name, but the fact that he just had season-ending surgery means unless unless a team just wants him that badly that they're willing to forego seeing how the recovery turns out just because you feel like you can get him at a discount price, that's a name off the board. DeMar DeRozan and DeJounte Murray are like the only all-star-ish players that anybody even sort of expects to move. I mean, I guess there's soft thoughts that maybe Jeremy Grant could move. There's a little bit of Bruce Brown here, maybe a little Alex Caruso or Andre Drummond. I mean, like there. Bruce Brown, no disrespect to Bruce Brown, is not an all-star. He's not even I'm just saying the right. highest profile names. Sure. Like it, they're just most of the big names have already been relocated and be between, I think, implications of the way the new CBA is set up and teams getting really, really cautious about, you know, tax implications and, and aprons and whatnot, it just does. And also, too, I think a lot of teams, like possibly including the Lakers, feeling like they will have a better opportunity to take a more monumental, significant swing this offseason with more control over their picks, say, at the draft day, you know, something right. like that. It's it, yeah, for, for, for just to kind of do the accounting, the Lakers at the deadline this year can trade one pick. They mm -hmm. control the 2029 pick, 
um, which has value, tremendous value around the league um, for the reason that a lot of people believe. Obviously, by 2029, LeBron James will not be a Laker. I mean, we, none of us know. Uh, we'll talk about LeBron and, and what LeBron said in Charlotte about the upcoming deadline. We'll, we'll get into that over the course of the show. There's no question. But um, I think we can all agree by 2029, he will not be a Laker. That also, I think, runs through uh, the end of Anthony Davis's tenure as a Laker. Like, So the Lakers could absolutely be in a full rebuild by then. They could also be reloaded by then. Um, it's it's so far out that it's it's kind of hard to project. But the notion that the Lakers could be crappy for a few years, um, you and I suffered through that as the postgame hosts on the radio <laughs> for like the entire dry season for the Lakers. I it, What you're talking about gets to the dilemma the Lakers have, which is they want to maximize the LeBron window. But what is available to do that, even in, in even ignoring Andy that it's a seller's market to say the least, wh- who is out there to do it is just not transformative. I agree with I can see the argument um, for Dejounte Murray over D'Angelo Russell as a player. It's fine. I'm mean, I'm a D'Angelo fan, but it's not like I I mean I I understand that argument. But the gap between those guys doesn't make, you know, scream finals appearance to me. Um, Bruce Brown is a nice player who would help this team, but he's not going to elevate, I don't think, the Lakers to, you know, uh, you know the, where they were automatically where they were last year. It's just unless they could add Bruce Brown to what they have. Right. But that's the thing. Adding Bruce Brown adding DeJounte Murray, like these would all be significant moves if they were not partially gutting themselves to make it happen. It's like we noted on Tuesday's show. One of the reasons that the Westbrook trade worked out so well for the Lakers, at least last season, beyond just needing to get Russ and and just the the tension that was going on out of the building. And and actually, Om Om Yumnasuk, friend of the show from ESPN, has an interesting piece out right now on ESPN, just getting the perspective of what it's like for guys getting traded. Mm-hmm. And Russ said in this piece, like, look, I was looking forward to going somewhere else. Like yes. at this point, it had reached a point where everyone needed something new. But last year, they added depth through that deal. And that's why they, in part, got so significantly better if you just rob peter to pay paul unless you know robbing peter means you are robbing something of serious value right, if you're if you're paying paul something really good like you know right like paul is that, collecting in a big way here exactly like you're 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 just kind of to torture the metaphor a little bit further you're just kind of shifting debts around and anybody who's ever done that knows you don't feel good afterwards no it what what i think is fascinating about this um, because like, look, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people, Trevor Lane and really from Lakers nation, uh, you know, obviously really smart observer of the Lakers had a really great post that I was watching earlier today where he made the point that waiting for the summertime puts the, it, yes, it gives the Lakers more flexibility. You get three picks for people who may not know you can now trade three first rounders in the summertime, uh, as opposed to just one at the deadline. Um, but what he, the point he makes is that. It also opens up the rest of the market. Everyone has more ability to be more flexible. Everyone is going to have more options. Sure. And the competition should 
Donovan Mitchell, for example, become more available. I mean, I'm not, he's a name that gets thrown out there a lot. I'm not convinced it's going to happen, but you want to be prepared in case it does. Um, he is playing phenomenally well yes. right now. I, I will go on the record right now that should Donovan Mitchell become really available, the Lakers should inquire. You really kick the tires on that one, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Pick up the phone. You, I don't know yeah. who the GM is over there, but you make a call. You just, you know. So, like, you know, there there is risk on both ends of this. There is a risk, and if you don't do something now, you make LeBron angry, and LeBron leaves, um, and, like, for nothing. And that is problematic, even if LeBron's tenure here may not last that much longer. Like, it's still a problem if LeBron just declines his option and goes. Um, but you have to look at this with the idea of, like, if we make a move now, does it make us better going into next year? Everything has to be done in the prism of looking not just this season, but next. And I, I want to run something by you because I was thinking about last year. You talked about the rust trade and stuff like that. I, I think last year is a blessing and a curse when you look at the Lakers at this year's deadline, and I will explain why next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by eBay Motors and passion, drive, patience. That is what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. And with over 122 million 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what it is you're looking for with eBay guaranteed fit. Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your ride or die into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Prize Picks. What is Prize Picks, you may ask? Well, it's America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. That's daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more or less, more than or less than on two to six player stat projections. And then you watch the winnings roll in. And this is kind of fun. Uh, they're shaking things up a little bit at prize picks. It's demon time, demon time on prize picks. You can now win up to a hundred times your money with as little as four correct picks. Four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. You got squares marked with red demons or green goblins, and they get you different payouts. And now you can win, again, up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. Uh, players, stat types you're selecting, highlight your winnings from prize picks. So, like You can go through all of your... You know, all of your picks, the things that you like, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. So here's what I mean, Andy, by last year kind of being a blessing and a curse. On the one hand, look, the Lakers are the one three in a row, and they're going into you know uh, you know the these back to back games with a little bit of momentum at the end of the week. They're going to have the 
sort of the the inspiration of Kobe statue night and the crowd on Thursday is going to be amped up like nothing you would believe. Um, it's going to be a big night. And once you kind of get clear of the Denver game and and the Pellies, the schedule, the February schedule really does legitimately open up them for a little. I know we've talked about this, but like strength of schedule becomes an asset for the Lakers down the stretch. So that's good. Those are all reasons to believe in the possibilities of this year's team. The downside is last year is unequivocally, 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 the exception to the rule. Teams that are 27 and 25 at this point in the year, 26 and 25, I forget what they are. Um, no, 27. Do not typically make the Western Conference Finals. They do not typically go further than that. Um, particularly if they haven't had catastrophic injury issues. And the Lakers, while they've been burdened by injuries, their two best players have been healthy for the vast majority of the season. So you really have to be careful looking at last year as like this, yeah, but, because last year isn't this year, but there's still potential for this year. It's a tricky spot. Well, last year, though... A I wouldn't even make that comparison. Like I know the Lakers did something pretty amazing last year, but they did it in in part because the team became so radically different, and mm -hmm. I think they were supercharged from that happening. But I think it becomes difficult to compare in a lot of ways the context and mentality. Like that team was also like five or six games below five hundred. Like they had to raise their level if they were even going to attempt to make the play-in, like just to make the playoffs, to actually go on that sort of improbable run. This team, I mean, we, we've seen it. I know they're only two games above 500. I know that they are not nearly on pace for what you want from them, hoped from them, uh, with you know the continuity that we were supposed to see heading into the season. But the reality is this team does not have the same urgency as last year. They just don't like you can't fake the urgency of being like six games below 500 when you're two games above it. It would be nice if you could, but I think it is going to be harder for them to manufacture the exact same mentality and mindset. And that is a big factor in how they played last year. It's not the only factor mm -hmm. you know, that they had a, a workable, functional roster made a big deal, but it was. The urgency. I mean, they managed to do that with LeBron and D'Lo missing a bunch of those games. I mean, but I, I do wonder if you can recapture some of that. I mean, I, 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 I there's no question the sort of esprit de corps of the last year's group was the what, like the like the team spirit. You can Google it. Um, it was it was higher. Um, they they were fighting as a group for more of the season. It's not a boo this man. It's it's I guess we I mean you can boo pretentious people, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's not my fault you don't know what stuff means as I Google to make sure I used it correctly. The what? <laughs> Go on. But I do wonder if you can kind of recapture that. And we we talked about it for Tuesday's show. Like there is an element of something potentially rediscovered with um, what happened in Boston. The difference, though, that I think fundamentally between last year and this year is that last year, Darwin had buy-in. This year, 
I don't, even if the players kind of set aside some of the issues that have gone on, I don't think it's going to be as easy for them to get back to where they were last year, this year. I think there has been too much stuff going on, too much disorder. I could be wrong. I want to be wrong, and the Lakers would be better hope for the Lakers' sake, but I am wrong. It's just it, it, that is a difference from last year to this year is that cohesion between the head coach and the roster it, that would need to really get back to the level for them to have the same kind of fight and all that in spirit that and whatever that you're talking about. Well, the other thing too that I I I think last year, even if they didn't necessarily envision Rob Palinka pulling off as radical a revamp as he did, just because I don't think anybody saw that guy. Like that was that was a lot of moving parts. I think all of these guys recognize that the ability to do that this year is more difficult because you don't have the $47 million in one contract. Like you don't have as many expiring uh, pieces that you can, that you can add to, you know, grease the wheels for some of these trades. And that could explain to some degree, you know, LeBron's comments in Charlotte where, you know, let me preface this by saying we've seen LeBron, do this before he was asked about like where the team stood what what needs to be done you know on the heels of this road trip heading into the trade deadline yada yada quote it's not a question for me i love who we have in the locker room that's all i worry about we are not we are going to go out and prepare ourselves every single night no matter who it is no matter who's out on this team no matter what this is who we have so there's nothing else to talk about later said i don't get caught up in that we're going to go out and prepare ourselves every single night no matter who it is and you know, that it's him and AG's job as the captain to make sure they keep the main thing, the main thing, which again, we've heard LeBron say many times, even as we have countless examples of him outwardly putting pressure on there was the, GM. The, the one season with the, the, the young guys where he stopped to answer those questions because he was on the phone with other GMs like that. Was, I mean, so he put them on hold. Like this is something LeBron does all the time. The passive aggressive, he will make it clear what he wants, but then say, well, you know, not my job, even though it's not my job. I'm just telling the other guy how to do his job. What I think is interesting about that is I imagine he recognizes no matter how much he wants what he wants, he's smart. He knows they don't have that many assets. He can read, he can read the market and his agent, Rich Paul, can certainly read the market and DeJounte Murray is a clutch client. Like He's going to have an idea of what's happening. But I also think it's important to remember, as far as like any type of pressure from LeBron, there's only so much he can apply when you know that this thing is only going to go on so much longer in with the Lakers. And also from the Lakers' perspective, A, I would argue they've been pretty damn all in since LeBron has been here. Like the Russell Westbrook deal, that is as all in as all in gets when they move Kuzma. <laughs> that was too KCP. He needed to yeah, they, out moved, at that point. They moved Kuzma, they moved KCP, they moved the first, which side note, why? <laughs> no need to go down that rabbit hole, but like that was as all in as it can get. But it's not like if that that went sideways pretty quickly. It's not like LeBron was saying, well, you know, hey, whatever, I wanted it too. Let's just make things work. Like within six months, he was trying to get Russ traded. It's not like LeBron gives you a pat on the back and says, well, you tried. He's going to say, well, 
F it, go fix it again. Like right. that's the and, way this works. The other, the other thing is too, I think, you know, you're, what you're getting at also is that th there's also a little bit less of the threat because LeBron, I, Hey, I want them to improve the team. Like I only got a couple years left. Like let's go be as good as we can possibly be is sort of like you say, it's like par for the course. It's table stakes. It happens every year, but it also doesn't, I think the level of discontent, like, he can say those things while also being still overall pretty pleased with what the organization has done for him and in no particular hurry to leave, especially while it looks like Bronny will probably spend another year at USC. Like his, you know, maybe one and done prospects aren't necessarily what they look like before. I, I don't have know. No idea. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, there's been a lot going on that make it so, like, he's not an automatic, like, one and done between the heart thing and his performance played pretty well since coming back, but it's not a, a, a slam dunk kind of thing. His family is here. So much of his side businesses are here, all that stuff. Like, I don't think he's in any hurry to go anywhere either. So, and he's maybe got two years max anyway, before he's either going to retire or something else. We can't plan on more. So I just, I think the whole context is different. Like, where multiple things can be true at once where he's like yes let's go out and be as aggressive and improve this team because i'm playing right now while being like i still see the bigger picture in ways that don't make me as dissatisfied as they would have seven or eight or nine years ago when when we get back let's both answer this question what do you want them to do how aggressive do you want them to be we'll talk i want to get that. a little bit into delo's thoughts yeah too, we will. I thought they were sure. really interesting we'll get all that next Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Game Time. And years ago, some friends of mine and I, we went to go see LL Cool J really last minute at the now defunct House of Blues. And we didn't know how to get tickets because they were sold out. So we ended up going to a scalper and those tickets ended up fake. And it was only through some really random, totally unrepeatable luck that we managed to get into this concert. Interestingly enough, we got backstage and the VIP treatment. <laughs> but that's not going to happen again. And it was really stressful either way. And that shouldn't be the case. And that's why I love game time. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy shows, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last minute tickets, the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets, start getting hyped for the fun. They offer images of seat views. They offer job loss protection. They're looking out for you. You know why? Because they offer the game time guarantee, which means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So snag the tickets without the stress using game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So with all that in mind, we'll get to Delo here in a second. But with with all that in mind, like kind of what we've laid out here, you know, the the risks, the rewards, um, the potential to get better this summer, but also the potential that at least for the big swings, you could get outbid. Uh, you might still not be able to get, you know, the 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 big fish, whoever they might be. How aggressive do you want them to be between you know now and and the deadline? What's funny about that question is. In some respects, I'm not even sure it matters because I don't know how aggressive they can be. 
Because when, when there's not really a lot to bid on and you don't have a lot to bid with, there's only so aggressive you can become. Like, no, but the flip side of that is an extra something or other. You know, if, if the market is somewhat slow, like could put you could you could okay. sweeten things for a Dejounte Murray or something like that in ways to get it done. I'll say this: I don't want them to make the biggest swing possible for the sake of optics. Like either so you are convincing LeBron that you're staying all in, or you're convincing fans that you're staying all in, because. Even though by definition, if you have LeBron, you should be all in, going all in doesn't make you, like the most all in move possible doesn't necessarily make you actually better. And if you lose those assets for the off season where you could make a better last big swing with LeBron, I think they need to be realistic about how much better is this going to make you as opposed to how much happier will this make LeBron or mm -hmm. how much better does this make us look to the fans? Yeah. And they, I, and they got to take a real temperature of just what, what's the pulse of this team? Because we're now what? 52 games in into the season. I don't know what it is. You and I think a lot about this team. Yeah. I, I, I would say if you like DeJounte Murray, because you think it makes you better going into next season, it helps with your salary structure, it gives you predictability and all that kind of stuff, because there is uncertainty around D'Angelo Russell as well sure. as he's playing. Um, then, okay. Yeah. I think you start looking at these deals. I would say kind of, you don't do anything at the deadline that compromises your ability to get better this summer. If you feel like DeJounte Murray is part of a plan to improve in this off season, Pull the trigger. If you sure. don't, if it's more for this year and you'll figure it out later, don't do it. Don't compromise your ability to get better over the summer because it doesn't have to be a star. It could be two or three players. It could be a, a different number three and slotting Austin Reeves somewhere else. I don't know, but like just I, I, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to compromise that. Andy, there was a book written in uh, sep, uh, 2016 by a guy named Mark Manson called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep, uh, mm -hmm. a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. Um, it seems, based on his comments after the uh, the game in Charlotte, that D'Angelo Russell has been reading that book. Yeah, I guess to some degree. <laughs> um, he, he was asked about, you know, his name has been in every single trade rumor since basically the moment he re-signed with the Lakers. And he was asked about, you know, after the win in Charlotte, how he deals with all this. And he said, quote, I don't care at all. Show up to work. That's it. Um, he said that, you know, he can't control that his contract makes sense to be traded. You know, so he just plays and you can't control it. And he said, quote, once again, I don't care at all. He was then, I thought this was interesting, asked, you know, why he allowed for a setup in his deal where basically he, he, traded off having a player option for this upcoming offseason with waiving an implied no trade clause. And he said, quote, I just thought it made sense. Obviously, I've been here before. I played for the Lakers before, so I know what the requirements are to be successful here. So if you're part of the future here, you'll be successful. If you're not, you'll be traded. And I've been traded before here. So my approach is just a little different. I just really genuinely, humbly don't care because I know I can't control it. One, and two, I just won't allow my mind to go there. I like to focus on this, and you guys see how I've been focusing on basketball, not comments and what's trending on social. And while to some degree I'm calling BS in the sense that I do think D'Lo cares because I think he'd like to stay a Laker. Like in that sense, 
I don't think he's being 100% transparent, but I do believe him that he's reached a place where he's become, I think, productively zen about it and just recognizing like, look, I bet on myself to some degree in how I set up this contract. Like I will play well enough that they will want to keep me. But if I'm playing really well, like he is right now, and they still want to move me, there's nothing I can do about that. I do believe him that he's reached like a place of peace over that because his play shows it. It's, it's just funny because like he's a guy, I think you maybe other than the first time, like when the when the Nets acquired him from the Lakers, is that the only time he's been acquired like enthusiastically by a team? Was he enthusiastically acquired Minnesota. by Minnesota? Yes. When they okay. yes. Because remember, he and Carl Anthony Towns are really right, tight. right, right. Um, but but then that deal, you know, the, the you know being brought in as Cat's friend and all that kind of stuff. There was a lot of skepticism around there, and they were eager to get rid of him. Um, you know, and bring in Mike Conley, who they thought was a better fit, and then also you know long term deal, so on and so forth. He's been through this so many times where he's kind of unwanted. He's in that place of obviously a good player. He's made an All Star team. He's in that, I think, pretty solidly in that tier of player who's clearly not an all-star, but clearly better than your average role player around the league. He's in that next step down. Like you, you kind of have to develop that thing. It's like he's looking at it like next year, probably going to be in the same position. If I get traded in this offseason, the team I get traded to, I might only have one year there at the most. Maybe I'm looking somewhere else. Like this is kind of it's a it, it, this is the place that he occupies in the NBA. And if you look across like the, some of the, I mean, the analysis or whatever it is around D just treats him like he's this garbage player. Like, and, you know, that he has no value whatsoever uh, around the league. He is, he's fallen into the, you know, that, that section where you look at players for what they don't do and completely ignore what they do. Uh, that doesn't mean what they don't do doesn't matter. It doesn't mean the fact that, you know, he is, a potential issue in the playoffs isn't important because like, yeah, the defense is a problem. The, the being attacked is a problem, but like he does have some skill and I, I can see why he, why he both, it would be hard to get to the place that he seems to be at, but why it would be totally necessary to do it at the same time. Well, it's funny. And you know, you and I covered Delo when he was, with the Lakers, uh, you know, the first time around, we were actually around, we were around him more, like directly more around him then than now. But one of the things that we noticed right away with him, even as a very young 19 and a very outwardly immature 19, you could tell from the beginning he's really smart. Like he's just a really intelligent person. And he reminds me a little bit of the way Bynum was when we covered Andrew Bynum. We were around. Andrew Bynum a lot during his time with the Lakers. Andrew Bynum was super smart and sometimes too smart for his own good in the sense that both he and D'Lo are guys that I feel like they're too smart to talk themselves into the BS and like they're too smart to talk themselves into the things that don't exist. And in some ways, their intelligence is great because, you know, in the case of D'Lo, he reads the floor really well, and he's just he's a good communicator, like things like that. But D'Lo, I think, is a difficult guy to BS and like convince himself that something that isn't 
that is happening isn't. And I think that comes out a lot in the way he talks about this. And I think what there is a little bit of a trap there, like, you know, where, and I don't want to, he's not like, I don't want to compare him to like Kyrie in terms of like being counterintuitive for the sake of it. And like, you know, contrarian for the sake of it or whatever. I don't think Delo's contrarian at all. I don't, don't, but I'm saying, but what I do think he does is he stops to think about the next step past the cliche. The easy yes. answer is always the cliche. Um, yes. The the safest answer is always the cliche, particularly when you're him. The um, other guy like that, Andrew Bynum, <laughs> never gave you a cliche. No, no, it was problematic for Lakers management. <laughs> yes, but so I I I 100 admit that like part of the reason I want him to stick around is because I like him. I find him to be an intriguing player to watch on the floor, but also kind of a, an interesting guy to have around to oh, see yeah. those posts, even if I'm not in the locker rooms in the same way that I used to be. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I still think there's a good chance the Lakers do the DeJounte Murray deal. I think, you know, Atlanta, this is much up to Atlanta and them deciding, are we better off trying this again in the summertime when um, when there may be a better market and people are are more willing to do, there are more teams who are make, willing to make a deal. Um, but we'll see. Uh, in the meantime, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out with uh, over 23,000 subscribers, uh, every dayers like father of base, I'm assuming. It could be fathers of ba- fathers of base. I'm assuming it's not fathers of bass, although if it is, that's fine too. Uh, but all the every dayers, all the people checking in every day, we really appreciate all the uh, the support for the channel for the show. Um, it is uh, we'll be, we'll be back for Kobe Statue Day on Thursday, and obviously a big game against the Denver Nuggets. See everyone tomorrow.